Welcome to Mission in 5, the podcast where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I am your host, Greg Namula. And every week, through my work with the Churches Helping Churches, ABC Nebraska, my ongoing writing projects, and serving as a faculty mentor to seminary students, I get to partner with Christian leaders, entrepreneurs, missionaries, and ministers of the church in a variety of contexts. I am always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches network together for mission and ministry. So, that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the stories of people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. This season, we are meeting with our friends and global servants with International Ministries. My hope is that we learn how we can partner with them by supporting their ministry efforts around the world, but also how we can utilize their gifts and talents as partners in our local churches as well. So be sure to check out the show notes for links to their ministry and how you can contact them. My guest today is the Executive Director for ABC USA's International Ministries, Reverend Sharon Coe. She has served as the Executive Director for IM since 2016. Sharon grew up on the mission field with parents serving as missionaries in the United States and around the world. And prior to coming to IM, Sharon served for 13 years as the mission and community life pastor at Evergreen Baptist Church in Los Angeles, California. She has spent her entire life on mission supporting global servants and preparing people to be on mission in the name of Jesus. Now I've had opportunity to partner with Sharon over the years and I have found her wisdom and enthusiasm for mission contagious. And I anticipate after listening to this conversation, you will find yourself motivated and encouraged as well. So here's my conversation with the Executive Director of International Ministries, Sharon Coe. Let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, who is Sharon Coe? Yeah, um, I, I, I grew up on the mission field. So by the time I was a uh, senior in high school, I had been in 10 different schools all over the world. Um, we, I was born in Singapore. We moved to the Philippines and to California and to Ohio and to Korea and a bunch of different places um, in the course of my uh, childhood. And so my, my view in the world is pretty global in that yeah. sense. Um, Los Angeles uh, definitely gets the most number of years um, <laughs> count, but uh, my, my four years at Fuller Seminary were the longest I had ever lived in one place up until then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, that's who I was as, as in terms of background. Um, I served at Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles um, as mission and community life pastor um, 13 years uh, prior to being called to international ministries in 2016. Very cool. Yeah, my dad was, we weren't missionaries. My dad was military and mm-hmm. we lived all over the world. So same kind of story. I went to five different high schools, 13 schools wow. by the time I was out of school. I also spent time in South Korea. Do you remember where you were? Uh, I went to Seoul Foreign School, okay. and um, it was the year before the Olympics were held there. So everybody was getting ready for the Olympics. Okay, uh, yeah, that was in 88, I think. And so, because I remember because we were there in the 90s, and there were still all the 88 Olympics. Stuff. Oh, nice. nice. We lived nice. in kind of um, an area near Camp Humphreys and okay. uh, went to Osan Air Force Base for school. So Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a little bit of a global perspective because of those kind of experiences as well. Definitely. So very good. So um, tell us a little bit about your your call to, to missions. I mean, you grew up around it. It's kind of just part of your life. You you lived it your whole life. But was there a moment where you transitioned from kind of being born into it to then choosing this as a path forward for, for being an adult and stuff? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I would say there were two major turning points. Um, 
The first at about age 17 um, was when I felt called to ministry, some sort of ministry. Um, I was at a mission conference. Um, it's one of those things where the speaker was like, and, you know, who am I? Send me. Who else wants to join? You know, raise yeah. your hand. And um, I had my hand up and I just thought, you know, who wouldn't want to do this? And I looked around the room and realized I was the only person with my hand up. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, I still remember that moment um, yeah. and held true to that. For a long time, I wanted to be a medical missionary. Okay. Um, so I went into college uh, planning to become a surgeon. Um, and then in college, uh, right after taking the MCATs, mm -hmm. um, the day that I received my uh, MCAT results, uh, which were everything that I'd been hoping for, working towards for those two years, um, there's a real sense of God's uh, spirit in the room, um, specifically um, directing me to go to seminary and train to be a pastor, which um, I, I know for a lot of the world, that sounds like the same call, missionary or pastor, but for me, <laughs> I really wanted to be a missionary, not a pastor. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was purely a, a moment of obedience um, to, to then put in my applications for seminary instead of med school, wow. um, and then trained um, uh, at Fuller. Um, soon after that, took an internship at a, a nearby um, Asian American church in Los Angeles, um, where kind of the, the first love for me was always um, mission and missionaries and supporting them. Uh, but since God had called me to be a pastor, then my goal was to um, encourage missionaries, raise money for missionaries, visit missionaries. And, um, and, and I, I like to joke, and there's some truth to it, uh, that my, my role at IM is the same as my role was at Evergreen, just on steroids. Right. <laughs> so I visit missionaries, I encourage missionaries, I raise yeah. money for missionaries. Uh, but they're there is a, a good continuity in terms of uh, passion in my life for, for what I enjoy doing. So, yeah, very good. So then um, how, how does supporting missionaries, does it feel like you're fully responding to this call? Like, or do you feel like I just can't wait to actually be on the mission field myself? Um, well, I, I think um, I've had, now two decades worth of being yeah. turned down from the mission field by God's spirit. So <laughs> I, I, I've come to the point where um, I've accepted yeah. um, that uh, so some of the um, gifts and skills and experiences and abilities that God has given me um, do serve the yeah. role that I'm in right now. Um, and, and certainly when um, I am called me and there was a lot of prayer in my community surrounding that, in my immediate community surrounding that, yeah. um, I, I just felt very strongly that God had been building towards this moment um, mm -hmm. that I had things I could offer I am and its global servants um, and things that I am had to offer me. And it's been, it's been a good mesh um, in that sense uh, ever since then. Um, but so, yeah, no, I, I don't have that. Um, that's where I'm going kind of sense anymore, like I did in my twenties, but um, I, I still have a very strong sense of, okay, well, if I can't be one, then I really want to make their lives as easy as possible. <laughs> so, okay. Well, that's a perfect transition then. Um, for for those who may not be aware, what's what's an executive director of an international mission societies do, and then what what are some of the things that um, kind of fill up your day to day? Yeah, well, some of, some of my jobs incredibly boring. Yeah, um, and it, it doesn't get put on the website. I, I read a lot of email. I answer a lot of phone calls. I read spreadsheets. I check numbers. I um, write letters. <laughs> the, yeah. the original name for this position was the corresponding secretary. Um, and I, I remind myself of that when I have long lists of letters that I need to write. <laughs> and um, So there, there is a sense of um, 
the administrative mundane of my day-to-day -day is what makes things uh, possible. Uh, in my first year, Larry Stanton, one of our global servants, um, sent me a picture of a little boy. Um, he's wearing a Superman t-shirt, and I, I call him Superman because I don't know his name. Uh, but he sits uh, right in front of me um, on my desk in Valley Forge, and um, he's a refugee boy that, that Larry, um, Larry's photographer friend was able to take a picture of. And Larry, as you know, and others um, are very involved um, with uh, displaced people and refugees and immigration and other difficult things. And so I keep Superman right in front of me. Um, people sometimes ask me if that's my kid. He's not. <laughs> and, uh, but he's there because he reminds me of uh, why I do what I do. Yeah. Uh, that a lot of the, um, again, administrative mundane of my day to day um, is what makes it possible for Larry to be where he is and for Larry and his friends to be able to serve people like Superman um, and, and meet human need um, in Jesus' name. So um, that's a lot of what the executive director does. Um, you know, <laughs> meetings, more meetings, and more meetings. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah certainly life giving in many ways. So, how many global servants is International Ministries partnered with right now? Right now, it's about 120 um, standard appointment global servants. Yeah. And um, what on average, I mean, they do all sorts of things, but if you yeah. have to kind of broadly give a handful of buckets of the places global servants kind of focus, what would that be? Yeah, um, we, we we call it uh, inviting, proclaiming, and equipping. Okay. Um, so inviting people to be um, disciples of Jesus Christ, proclaiming God's uh, kingdom reign of justice, peace, and abundant life, and equipping the people of God uh, for, for ministering God's mission. Um, so there, there's a whole range of things that they do. Some of them are teachers, um, both in terms of education, as well as teachers in terms of theological education. So those are two, they sound similar, but they're very different um, right. target audience. Um, some of them are, are peacemakers. Uh, they do training um, <clears throat> in situations that um, just defy uh, human logic for, for what could be a place where there might be peace. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, agriculture, um, meeting human need by uh, teaching and equipping people to uh, raise, grow um, their food, um, generally um, economic development um, mm -hmm. in ways that uh, money can be loaned and given to multiply itself um, in different settings. Um, all, all of these, um, I would say, are ways to uh, recognize and honor God's image in the other, the one that you're serving, um, to the point that the other becomes us, if that makes sense. So uh, one of the phrases we like to quote a lot is that God's mission is from everywhere to everyone. Um, and the idea there is that uh, God God is already at work um, wherever we're, we're sending or, or receiving people. Um, but how do we come alongside uh, those that are already there? Um, we say international partners and Ask them, you know, how's God already working? And 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 as you tell me that, how can I be of help? Um, is certainly the posture that um, all of our global servants have. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, for, for those who may not know, uh, there are no American Baptist churches outside of the United States. We don't That's plant right. churches outside of the U.S. And so, yeah. um, any churches that we plant or any schools that we partner with or any businesses we create as or our missionaries do, they they become um, contextual and and immediately part of that community's um, yes. identity, right? And so yes. um, maybe, maybe kind of explain how that developed. Sure. I mean, because yeah. I am is, is the oldest Baptist sending 
um, Baptist Mission Sending Agency in North America, founded in 1814. Um, mm -hmm. And this has always been our model. We've never had American Baptist churches outside, of the, right. outside of the United States. So um, tell us a little bit about how, what that looks like as you mm -hmm. develop partners overseas to, to do this work. Yeah, so I think one of the natural questions that people um, ask, and I, I do get asked this, is um, how many American Baptist churches are you planting yeah. um, in, in the 70 countries that you all work in? And um, I always say zero. And they, they look okay. at me like, then well, what are you wasting your time doing? Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, well, in, in Congo, it's the Congolese Baptist Church that we're building up, right? right. Um, in, in, in Ukraine, um, it's the Ukrainian Baptist Church that we're, that we're lifting up. Right. Um, and, and et cetera. So the, the idea is that, uh, to go back to what I was saying earlier, that God, God is already at work. And um, one of the um, thing that our global servants, one of the things that our global servants um, get to say all the time is that none of them get sent without being invited. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have any global servants sent out who are not invited by a ministry international partner that I am has in the country um, of their destination. So um, the Japan Baptist Union um, might invite uh, a global servant and then we send them out there and then they're gonna build the Japanese church in Japan. Right. So um, I was actually just in um, Southern Mexico uh, earlier this month and, and the, the partners there had asked for a meeting. And so we sat down for a meeting and um, they basically said, you know, we, we love your missionaries, um, the, the Myers, the, you know, Keith and Deborah, the best. We love your missionaries. Where can we get some more? <laughs> you know? yeah. And um, and I just said, and, and this kind of transitions to the, the question that you're asking. Um, I said, so, you know, I don't make them right. This is <laughs> I am is not a missionary factory. We're not producing missionaries. God. God calls missionaries and he's calling them in churches um, right there in Nebraska and all over the United States, um, in our case, in Puerto Rico. Um, God calls the missionaries. Um, I am serves as the bridge that helps them get to where they're going. And while they're out there, um, we support them in terms of their um, kind of the back office stuff. Um, but we're not looking to build more American Baptist churches. We're looking to build the church that is already uh, present in the country that we're um, sending people to. Yeah. Yeah. It's very kingdom minded and less brand name focused. Yeah. 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 I've always appreciated that about um, who and what I am is. And it's one of the things I'm most proud of as an American Baptist yeah, is I can too. point to that and say, this is, this is who we are. And this is how we go about mission and ministry. Yeah, me too. Um, so, so let's, let's, let's continue on this idea of, of ministry partners looking for you to be able to send them more missionaries and things. Um, as as one as a as a region staff person, one of the things that we end up doing a lot with our churches is helping them identify pastoral candidates. Mm -hmm. So it's it's sort of similar. You do some recruiting, you try to identify people, you train them up so that they can then take that role. Um, but we've kind of run into a situation, especially the last few years, of of just the the global or the American economy is not skipped the local church. And mm -hmm. that sense is um, we're having a hard time identifying pastors for pastoral roles. There's fewer people going to seminary There's and these sort of things. Um, are you running into similar um, difficulties with IM? And then um, what I would like to encourage churches as well is, you know, just like 
you don't create missionaries. God calls them out of the church. Mm-hmm. So too, our churches raise up future pastors exactly. and just remind them again, this is, that's the incubator where pastors and missionaries are born and to, to encourage that to their young people to say, you know, this could be a thing for you. Um, but I, I guess ultimately that's a really long question to ask. Are you also finding it difficult to identify um, global servants? It's, that's a, multifaceted question that you've asked there, Craig. Um, I would, no, no, it's a good question. Um, I would say, let me start with the, um, the angle of the American economy, since that's, that's on a lot of our minds. Um, What I try to do is um, just plant the seed of thought everywhere we go. Um, So talking to a good friend, you know, I'm so sorry. uh, I heard you got laid off. Um, you know, uh, so with that job, that door closing, um, have you considered uh, a career in global mission? So just yeah. kind of plant the seed, not 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 as second best, not as a something else that you you know do because right. you can't do something else. But um, have you even considered this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I try to place that there. I I've been remarkably surprised at how many of my global servant colleagues tell me that they first felt or heard God's call to mission um, in Sunday school. They, they, they had a funky dressed missionary come visit their Sunday school, serve them some funny foods, yeah. you know, grasshoppers or whatever. Um, and that planted a seed, you know. And so I, I try to remember that when um, when I served as a pastor, we had to go do the uh, VBS every summer. <laughs> I, right. I often found that uh, scarier, actually, than a lot of the other things I had to do in my role. But yeah. um, I would show up and, you know, great little seven, eight-year-olds would ask me things like, what's the worst thing you've ever eaten? And what's the farthest place you've ever been? Um, and can you show us on a map, you know, uh, where you went last summer? That kind of thing. And, and I, I was always so glad to do it because I don't know um, who God's Spirit has selected. Um, for global mission in their adulthood. But but when I listen to these adult missionaries talk about, oh yeah, this is, you know, I remember that one summer that we went to Green Lake for the World Mission Conference. And then, you know, my parents brought me along. I went because there was a cool lake and they told me I could jet ski. But then I, you know, I met this missionary and they were so normal that they were cool. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. And um, I've heard, I've heard many of our, our uh, missionary colleagues, you know, just kind of launch right into that gear. Like, oh, well, what are you planning to be when you grow up? You know, God could really use some people willing to serve in a faraway place like Africa <laughs> you yeah. know, and those kinds of things. Um, so, so always planting the seed. Um, and I am, we, we've actually, I think, seen an uptick in the last couple of years um, in terms of inquiries about um, global service. Um, so we start with um, something called Hear the Call. It, it's like a weekend conference and um, we bring people in and we, maybe out of like 30, 40 people there, one or two might become I am global servants, but we see it as our, our offering to the kingdom of God to, to help people discern um, is God's call on your life, a short-term mission one, a long-term mission one, or no, but, you know, serve in your community and these kinds of things. So we, we ask those questions at hear the call. Um, and it's not, it's not just a self-serving recruiting kind of conference. It, it really is a, here we are making ourselves available, wanting to help you discern. Um, and if you end up with, I am the great, Um, And and if you don't, that's okay. So um, I think somewhere in the, um, yeah, somewhere in the American economy struggles, there's the, well, why why haven't I gone back to that um, call to mission? But I I think um, the ministry of camping and and conferencing and youth ministry and Sunday school 
um, all of that's not lost. I mean, right. you, I definitely came to faith in my in my youth years and came into leadership in my youth years. And you know, I think about all those people who just purely invested time that they could have been spending on themselves. <laughs> they, they spent driving us around and, and taking us to movies and playing stupid games like who can drink a whole gallon of milk, you know, and, and oh, not throw up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't miss youth ministry, but, but those were the formative years. And, and yeah. it made a big difference to, to help us be kingdom-minded people um, yeah. as adults. And I, I think one of the the beautiful things about the call to missionary service is that it's not necessarily, I mean, it, it is rooted in a theology of mission, but you don't have to be a, a, a theologian, a deep theologian or a college professor or, or something to be called because like uh, we mentioned Larry Stanton earlier, I mean, he serves all the time, people that are hurting and stuff. And we had him on the show um, earlier and, and, you know, like one of his big ministries is chopping wood. Or yeah. driving people places, you know these sort of things. He's a he's a I am global servant, and, and he's not preaching every week. You know, I mean, I, I think that's something to remind people is whatever you're doing can be used on mission, yeah. and that is true internationally, and that is true domestically. You know, absolutely. And yeah. that's, and I think that's something that we're going to have to rekindle as um, church people is to yeah. make things less churchy and more mission oriented is to recognize whatever you have in your hands, that Moses sermon, right? Whatever's in your hand, you can use yep. this for the kingdom. Yeah. 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 He tells that story about how he used to work in construction and yeah. his wife, Becky was a teacher. And then, you know, one day he was browsing the IM website and there they were looking for a construction worker and a teacher. And a teacher. And he's like, Oh my gosh, honey. That's <laughs> like, us. Um, and it's totally true. Uh, yeah. we're, we never know um, ahead of time what the partners our international partners are going to ask for, but it, it's not always pastors. Yeah. Um, and, and then even when it is a pastor, you'll be surprised how not pastor like the pastor's lives are when they right. go into the mission field. That's right. Um, but yeah, they ask for everybody. Um, video people. I, I had a short term team once that um, God totally put together because it was a bunch of people that worked in film. Yeah. And then after we got there, they found out we found out that they needed us to make a whole bunch of videos, uh, which were great. Yeah. Um, so you, you just, you don't know what your skill yeah. is that that could be used, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. As, as, as somebody who's, um, extremely aware of global news, I'm assuming very conscious of what's happening around the world. Um, you know, so many stories that probably the average American or certainly, um, the average person is not paying attention to. You know, I mean, there's a famine in Ethiopia. There's obviously European conflicts. There was a just this morning we heard on the news about gas pipes exploding. You know, um, you probably know news that's coming out of Australia and South America and stuff that we're not aware of. So with all that being um, um, a wealth of resource from you, what, what are some things we should be paying attention to? And then how does that impact um, how we support our missionaries? Because I know sometimes they do have to leave and sometimes they stay and double down, like like the ones in Eastern Europe have, have all stayed, you know, to, yeah. to deal with the uh, displacement situation. But um, I don't know if there is a question in there, but I, yeah. the point I, is, I, I is you are saying. very, very aware of, of, of the global situation in various places around the world. You are connected all around the world. What are some things we should be paying attention to as, as people in Nebraska? I, I would go with um, where can we direct our prayers. Okay. And I would offer that the, 
best place to direct them is for the persecuted church. Okay. Um, so, so uh, the IM website and our, our, our series of, of journals and those kinds of things actually would not be the best place because all of the global servants and partners we have working in high security locations um, don't post. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and they shouldn't. Um, right. So, so even just a, I mean, not a blanket prayer in that it's not directed, but blanket in terms of um, Lord for all the locations in the world where it's not safe to open a Bible um, or where people uh, wait that day for uh, a text message as to where their church is gathering. And then they go meet, but somebody heard, you know, um, actually the, the officials are coming out today. So they, they say a quick prayer and they all go home um, places where um, you teach uh, scripture uh, at risk of life um, and uh, where people are hungry um, to be taught. And, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here in my uh, American office and, you know, I'm looking at like 20 Bibles in different versions of languages. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's a luxury. Um, you, know, you, you have on your wall, as, as I have on mine, you know, crosses and, and these kinds of things that label me as completely Christian. Yeah. Um, but to even just say a prayer for the friends, the brothers and sisters around the world who are in locations where um, that's, that's not not something you can be open open about their their um, discipleship to Jesus Christ. So I have been in some of those settings. Um, a lot of them uh, are um, in in places where war um, has the war typically in, in the news we hear about it as like countries and people groups, um, but often not highlighted in the in the global news is that it's it's often um, along religious lines, right? So. This group is actually of one religion. That group is actually of another religion, and that's where the conflict is coming. Um, so I can think of um, most of the uh, hotspots um, that we hear about, and I could easily reframe it all in terms of religious lenses um, or, or ethnic. Um, you know, we we think this war is happening in this country, but actually, that's two people from the two two sides of a country. Um, border that has people from the same tribal group, um, you know, trying to purge people of a different tribal group. Um, and, and that's a, it's an old story. I mean, it's certainly an American um, history as well, but it, always looking at uh, another people group, another ethnic group as the other, um, and, and how strong the examples in scripture, certainly the examples in Christ of um, reaching across racial divides and saying, you know, hey, um, God's love, God's kingdom is for you as well. Um, it's not just um, meant for us to have it good. It, it's really meant for all of us to uh, be a part of God's reign of peace. Um, so, I, I, I mean, without mentioning specific people, yeah, yeah. groups and countries, um, I would say, you know, just um, a morning or evening prayer, you know, Lord, as we sit down to this meal, I pray for all the people that can't enjoy um, the ability to pray to you, religious freedom, and or even the ability to study scripture. Um, openly with somebody who's been trained yeah. um, in the Bible. Um, so, wow. very good. Well, thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so, so, what's next for you? What's next for I am, and and uh, what's kind of on the near horizon? It's not always easy to see two and three years down the road, but what's happening between now and the end of the year? Yeah. So, um, we have been um, very excited. I would say, um, kind of slowly emerging from the pandemic. Um, about what I call the uptick in terms of um, inquiries about, about um, so uh, 
one of the phrases that I, I was throwing around uh, internally quite a bit was, you know, I am is recruiting. <laughs> and a lot of my colleagues don't like the word recruiting because that, that kind of has a different connotation to it. But just kind of this idea of, hey, everybody, you know, just as you go, um, we're in a lot of churches, we're in a lot of settings, um, just keep planting that seed, you know, like so, since I'm speaking here today or whatever it is, you know, um, um, is God's spirit putting on any of your hearts uh, a, a call to global mission? Um, so we feel that we um, still have um, in the home office the capacity to support um, uh, s- several, many more um, global servants. We could probably do it in like tens and twenties more. Um, and and I am and American Baptists have um, notoriously been known for taking forever to um, to uh, vet, discern with, and then place uh, global servants on the field. It, on average, it takes us about two years. Um, some of them who are headed out now say they've been in the process for like 10 to 15 years. Um, but one of the things that I'm grateful for is that we're very, very careful to do it well. Um, and so that, that's something else I'm saying. I mean, just because I want to recruit, I don't, I don't want tons and tons and tons of people who aren't sure what they're doing, but I, I want us to still do it well. Um, but let, let's just keep saying everywhere we go, um, hey, you know, we're ready to support you if this is something that God's calling you to. So that's that's a, an excited, excited feeling that I've had um, about what lies ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's always been there in the last um, six years. There were... Um, some seasons in the last um, six, seven years where it felt like I was like constantly under the car looking at parts that didn't quite work. (laughs) Um, In the pandemic, you know, it it was a mixed bag. I mean, it certainly was hard, hard and harsh in many ways, but the pandemic afforded us time to um, look administratively at some things that needed to be fixed. And today I'm excited that even though those things don't get a lot of like press, I'm so excited they work. You know? yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of hours and a lot yeah. of you know man and woman power into something that nobody gets to see, except that no, we no longer have to complain that it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but that that gives me a sense of hope and joy about what lies ahead. Yeah, and, and when those things are going well, you're able to put your energy into other things, and yeah. so yeah, you right. can't do it if the machine's not working, right? That's right. Yeah. And so, very yeah, good. I just want my um, car to drive. I don't want to have to worry about rust, you know, yeah. <laughs> just to stay either. So uh, how, how can we partner with you? Um, what, what are some ways that American Baptist churches in Nebraska could, can come alongside international ministries broadly, um, global servants generally, but, but sharing co specifically, what, yeah. what, what can we do to, to walk with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Frankly, Nebraska's done very, very well. <laughs> that's oh, that's the you. truth. I mean, that's very kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. You've done very, very well. I think the way that you all have made um, short-term mission available to yeah. your churches, your pastors, and their constituents, um, I, I always say um, short-term mission leads to long-term mission, yeah. right? So p- people who, who go out with a little bit of a taste um, end up kind of catching a bug for it and then wanting to either do it or support it or something. Yeah. So I've long appreciated um, Nebraska's uh, value in prioritizing that. Um, I would say um, along the same lines, um, there's there's uh, a lot of Mission Express experiences coming out of our short-term mission um, mm-hmm. office that people can join now without okay. ever having to get a passport. <laughs> so, yeah. But they take it very seriously. It's not like um, watching YouTube. I mean, you have to like get trained, pass, commit to all the times, and then participate in, in a mission experience that's overseas. That one's, um, you know, promoting that and participating in that um, would certainly um, help okay. spread the word um, that we're uh, looking for for good missionaries, good global servants. Um, 
you all support um, as a region quite a few um, global servants. So I would just kind of keep my ear to the ground. Um, when I was serving as a mission pastor, it was just kind of my practice every year um, to say, um, you guys tell us what you need. Yeah. Uh, and and sometimes it was we don't really need much was the answer you know yeah. we're okay but um, you know one of the the global servants that uh, my church supported um, he always said you know um, I while there are other churches that send us more money than you uh, what we've always appreciated is your emotional and spiritual investment in us yeah um, that that the church was. Um, always looking for newsletters, always looking to pray. Um, we did something called missional moments every Sunday. Mm-hmm. So for five, five minutes um, in every, in every service, something missional would get lifted up and then the congregation would be invited to pray um, for whatever that was. So maybe it was somebody who could visit, but you know, most of the time, if they're internationally located global service, they were seldom there in person, but we, we would lift up their latest newsletter or, you know, let's pray for this. Um, so that'd be a great way to partner. Uh, prayer prayer does go a long way. Um, yeah. It sometimes feels like it's unseen and so it's not happening, but prayer really does make a difference. Um, yeah. yeah. That's very true. And, and, and we've heard the same from, from all the global servants is okay. prayer support. Come visit us, do the short-term mission trips, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Um, when, when is your next Hear the Call event? Do you have one scheduled? Summers, uh, typically summer. So um I, I don't know when the next one is, but our, our usual pattern would be, it would be in like June or July. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, h- how can we connect with you? What's a good website or email or yeah, what, international what should we looking at following you on social media? Yeah, I, I don't do much social media. It's a, it's a time problem, not, yeah. not an interest problem. Um, but internationalministries.org um, gives you most of IM stuff. Um, and you can reach me directly from the website there. Um, and uh, I'm at Sharon.co at internationalministries.org um, in terms of email. So and I'm on top of that as much as I can be. So. Sure. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast, Mission in Five. And, and we're grateful for you taking the time out. You're very busy. And so yeah. now this is glad you right here. Yeah, this has been fun. Thank you for having me, Greg. Thank you for listening to Mission in Five, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you will be notified every time we produce a new episode, introducing you to another ministry practitioner or missionary engaging in God's mission and their unique context, whether it be in Nebraska, around the country, or somewhere else in the world. If you like the guests and the content, take a moment to rate and review the podcast on your favorite streaming platform and share it with your friends and family on your larger social media networks. Check out the show notes for links and contact information to every single one of our guests and some current events and other links to news articles and things that might impact their mission and ministry. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes and feel free to support us by giving through PayPal on our abcnebraska.com website. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.